Atas are the most likely to be like, let's do a juice cleanse. And they're the last people who need it. Ignite your best life. Yoga is the spark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Yoga Hacks podcast. I have a super special guest with me today. Her name is Sahara Rose, and she's the author of the book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type and The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. She's an Ayurvedic expert. You can find her at eatfeelfresh.com. And she's going to talk to us today about Ayurveda and how it relates to yoga, Ayurveda and how it relates to your diet, even if you are perhaps vegan, how you can hold a vegan diet and take Ayurvedic principles still into your diet. It's really exciting. Sahara, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love your podcast. So it's such a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, I let's let's take it back a step because we may have some yogis who are like, I or what? What is Ayurveda? So can you tell us in your own words what Ayurveda is first and foremost? Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I can relate because I remember when I first heard the word Ayurveda in my IIN health coach training program, which I'm sure many of your podcast listeners have done or thought about. I actually said the word Ayurveda, what? I was like, what does that mean? What is it, anything about it? Um, So basically Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system. It originated in India 5,000 years ago. um, And it is the health system in which all others actually are based off of. So Chinese um, traditional medicine is based off of Ayurveda. Even the Western medical system that we have today, herbology, this is all based off of Ayurveda. Um, Ayurveda still is practiced in India today. It was the leading medical system in the country until the British rule. And um, they replaced it with Western medicine because they didn't really believe that herbs and foods and things like that could really cure our our ailments. But um, today it's actually really coming back, not only in India, but around the world. And you see Ayurveda, Panchakarma, which is a detoxification treatment centers come up and so and it's mentioned in teacher trainings in so many different places. So I think we're really taking a step back and we're we've tried all these different diets and theories and we just want something that's been like tried and true for thousands of years and still works for people today. Perfect. So guys, if you're listening and you've never heard of it, Ayurveda is unlike maybe our Western medicine, which is more, you know, like take a pill for this or put a hot pack on that. Ayurveda is very focused on the diet and herbs, just like she said. Um, So I think once people know what Ayurveda is, the next big thing I think that happens is they take some sort of Ayurvedic test to figure out their dasha. So do you want to tell us what a, what a dasha is? Again, let's hear from you in your own words since you're the expert. Yes. So um, I think that's what that's a, definitely what drew me and a lot of people is like, we all love quizzes. We all love learning about ourselves. And Ayurveda is based off of bio-individuality, personalization, that a diet for one person may not work for another, but also that a diet that worked for you last year or even yesterday may not work for you today. So um, the three doshas are vata, pitta, and kapha. Um, I like to call them fall, summer, and spring. It just makes a lot more sense to me. Um, so the fall is vata. So if you think about the fall season, it is cold, it's windy, it's dry, the leaves are falling from the trees. Um, people are kind of like full of ideas, moving from one thing to another. Um, It's a time of year of a lot of activity. And that's basically what the vata dosha is. So think cold, dry, moving wind. 
And then Pitta, I like to think of it like the summer. So it's hot, it's sharp, it's fiery. Um, in the summertime, we are constantly, we're, we're super active. We're spending much more time outside. But at the same time, if anyone's ever gone overheated, you know that that can make you feel sort of irritable or impatient. Um, they say even crime rates go up on the hottest summer days. And that's our Pitta dosha. That's our fire within us. Um, so whenever I say Pitta, just think of fire summer. And then Kapha, I like to think of it as spring or even the end of winter when um, the earth is cold and it might be wet and rainy. And similarly, like we're feeling a little bit sluggish. We're kind of starting to get out of our winter shells, but it's a little bit of a slow time of the year. And that's cough. It's super earthy. It's wet. It's grounded. Um, I like to think of it like an earth mama. That's super kapha. That's so cool because I feel like I've talked to so many people about Ayurveda and I've never heard that analogy to the seasons and it's super, super helpful. Mm -hmm. And these are also energetic qualities that someone may have in their body. So do you want to talk a little bit more about how the dosha sort of maybe relate a little bit even to our personalities? Totally. So, um, so these doshas not only exist in us physically, but also mentally because the mind and the body are connected. So whatever is going on um, in your head is going to somehow manifest physically in your body. So a vata personality has a lot of movement going on. They're the type of people who they're very creative, artistic. They jump from one idea to the next. They get super excited about one thing and they're all in. And then suddenly they have a change of heart and they have like almost like an identity crisis the next day. So if you feel like someone that you're a little bit sporadic, you're spontaneous, but it's hard for you to really stick to one thing and follow through, that's vata. Now on the flip side, when there's too much vata, insomnia is a really big side effect because it's just too much thought circulating in the mind and lack of groundedness, as well as anxiety, which is just worrying about the future and letting your mind sort of take over you and not being present in your body. So that's sort of the vata. Um, pitta is they're very sharp. They're strong leaders. They're organized. They're determined. I like to think of them like a CEO or a lawyer personality. Um, they really are great at getting things done. But at the same time, if things go off their schedule, they snap and they can't have it not go their way. So they really need to work on cooling down their fire and being able to go with the flow and just increasing more flow and spontaneity in their lives. And then Kaffas, they're super grounded, peaceful, calm. They go with the flow. They're chill. Um, but so they're the friends that everyone comes to when they have a problem and they kind of can hold space for everyone else and really just in. Like I like to think of them like the grandmother energy. Um, they're always giving and giving and giving, but that can leave you feeling depleted because when you're always holding space for others, you know, and your cup's no, no longer full, then you seek to other other voids to to fill it. So they're really they're the most likely to emotionally eat um, and you know just have sort of like lonely maybe patterns like that that they don't like to show to other people and depression actually is sadly the highest in the kapha dosha even though you would never be able to tell from the outside that was an amazing description of the three i really love how succinctly you you put that together and for those of you listening at home what's important to know is that or i mean sahara tell us but like it's it's pretty unlikely that you're just one of these things right most of us are a combination of two or more. Can you kind of walk us through how that works? 
lot of people get confused because they say, well, I can relate to all three. So Ayurveda must not work because <laughs> we can all think of a time of our lives that we have been Vata and super excited and creative and a little bit all over the place in a time that we're super Pitta and feeling really motivated and organized in a time that we're feeling Kapha and just really grounded and peaceful. Um, but really what it depends on is what our current doshic state is versus the state that we were born with. So we were all born with a deck of cards um, in our DNA, and that's called their Prakriti in Ayurveda. So that's basically the differences, like I have brown hair and you have blonde and she has green eyes and the things that you were born with, the characteristics that will not change over the course of your life. Then you have your Vikruti. Um, your Vikruti is according to your diet, your lifestyle, your environment, stress levels, exercise levels, all of these things that we do have control over. So these things change and shape and influence our dosha. Now, imbalance lies in our Vikruti, our current doshic state, stemming too far away from our Prakriti, that which we were born into. So that's why people can relate to all three doshas because we have been all three in our lives and we, and we currently are. It's just in differing amounts. So really what you need to take a look at is where do your imbalances lie? Are you feeling the imbalances of vata, pitta, or kapha? And those are the suggestions that you need to follow. So I'm going to say this in a certain way, and I would like you to correct me if it's not correct. Sure. But I'm just hoping we can help people at home understand. So basically, my ideal, like what was formed in my mother's womb for me of how I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. would, would be, for example, like 37% uh, vata, you know, 40-something percent kapha, and, you know, 20-something percent um, pizza, let's say. Mm-hmm. But then going through my normal life, I'm like this crazy, intense lawyer, and I'm living at like a 60% pizza that would be an imbalance and Ayurveda would be helping me restore to what's my, like what, what my mixing bowl is supposed to be filled with, right? Like back to my homeostasis, my state of balance for me personally, which is, you know, that 20% pizza. So maybe I need a less intense job or I need to take a long vacation or change my diet or something like that. Is that an okay way to think of it? Yes, definitely. And it's not that if you have a lot of pitta, you should work a pitta job. In fact, if you have a lot of pitta, you probably don't want to work a pitta. Yeah, exactly. Because your pitta will fall out of balance. So if you're someone with a lot of kapha, kapha people, they can take a lot. Um, They have really strong endurances. So they can probably go into a high stress job because things stress them out the least of all of the doshas. Whereas a vata person, if they were like working in an emergency room, they'd be flipping out all the time because it would just be too much for them. Got it. So I think one of the things I'm hoping listeners you can take away and why this, why this makes Ayurveda, I think both complicated and brilliant is that the the homeostasis, the neutral uh, that we're all trying to come back to is different for each and every one of us. Right. Sahara. Exactly. So it's not like everyone needs to do the same thing. It's, it's highly variable. So when someone's starting to work with um, Ayurveda, how do they know, or how do they figure out what that homeostasis, like what, what they even should not should be, but what their best neutral, optimum, efficient, balanced dosha state is. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people like on my website, I have a quiz and it's, 
it assesses what your dosha is in your mind and in your body, because I have found that a lot of people are different in their mind and body due to these imbalances. So you might have totally related to the pitta, super organized mind, but your body is maybe kapha and gains weight easily. And I break it down by percentage. So the, the way that you should go about changing your diet is according to where your imbalances are. So if you're experiencing, for example, the vata imbalances, which are bloating, constipation, and gas, then follow a more vata pacifying diet, even if you have this pitta personality or cough of this, but these are the imbalances that you're experiencing. These are the signs that, you, that something needs to change. And those are the first things that need to be addressed. Got it. Okay, great. So we'll put the link for you guys to this quiz below. And obviously we could talk about this for several hours because it's absolutely fascinating. It ties into Samkhya philosophy, which those of you who are doing yoga teacher training with me will have heard of. Um, but I think hopefully if you're listening, you now have a little bit better understanding of what Ayurveda is and how you can figure out your dasha. And what I think Sahara is doing that's really cool is actually separating out um, the, the mental and the physical because it's you know, you're right. It, it's, it is so nuanced and, you know, imbalances could make it so that like, yeah, mind and body aren't exactly lined up. If they were, we probably wouldn't need to do so much yoga all the time. Right. right. So, um, so, you know, before we let you go, I would really love to hear about your personal diet and your personal journey of how you've integrated the science of Ayurveda into what I think you told me is a completely vegan diet right now, and maybe give people a little overview so they know, but guys, an Ayurvedic diet are a lot of the recommended foods are very dairy, heavy dairy rich. Um, and I know a lot of us yogis are, you know, vegan, vegetarian, and um, Sahara sort of found a way to blend this all together that I can't wait to hear about. Yes. Yeah, so um, when I graduated from college, I spent two years studying in Indian hospitals alongside the Ayurvedic doctors. And I was just so fascinated by it, but almost every suggestion that they had given me completely contrasted with what I had learned in holistic nutrition. And I also studied sports nutrition. Um, so I wanted to find a way to kind of integrate them both. So for example, in Ayurveda, they recommend drinking a cup of ghee, pure clarified butter in the morning on an empty stomach with herbs in it. Coming from a raw vegan diet, meaning I only ate plant-based foods that were uncooked, let alone definitely not ghee. And do you want to tell people what ghee is real quick, just in yeah. case some of them don't know? <laughs> so ghee is the clarified butter, which is essentially they burned the butter to separate the milk from the fat. So it's the pure fat that rises from the top. So it's just the sheer oil that comes from the dairy cow, basically. Yeah. Um, but in Ayurveda, traditionally, it's considered liquid gold. And the reason is because at that time, first of all, cows were treated so differently than they are today. Cows were a holy animal and they fed them better than they fed themselves sometimes. And for them, it was truly drinking the milk from the cow was like, like a spiritual experience for them. Whereas today our cows are most definitely not treated like that. And they're filled with RGBH and antibiotics and so many other things that we are taking in when we are drinking their milk. And also we have access to so many other kinds of fat today that they may not have had 5,000 years ago in ancient India. Um, also the soil was so different there. If you've ever traveled to India, you see the first thing they tell you is don't eat raw food. And the reason is because the soil there is so fertile and there's so much bacteria that even an Indian person cannot eat a salad there because they may become sick. Whereas here, our, our soil is not, not only does it not have that same bacteria, it's in fact too clean, but we can eat salads and we don't become sick. And our, and our 
diets can change because we don't live in hot ancient India. So I think that Ayurveda made total sense to not eat raw foods at that time and in, and in that place. Whereas here, we still don't need to follow, follow those rules. And when you cook your food so much, you're destroying a lot of their living enzymes as well as the vitamin C. So I think um, you don't need to go totally raw vegan, but also not totally cooked. You should just find the right balance of how much raw food can you tolerate and how much cooked. And keep in mind that raw food is harder to digest um, because the cell walls have a lot of fiber around them and the body has to break down that fiber in order to extract the nutrients. So if you're noticing after you eat salads, you're bloated and gassy and feeling uncomfortable in your digestive system, then it's a really good idea to do like a kitchery cleanse for a few days, which is basically like lentils and um, either rice or I do it with quinoa, something that's really easily digested, cooked, steamed vegetables and things like that to build up your digestion so you can eat raw foods without any problem. I love what you're saying because I think you're kind of taking a lot of these um, this ancient wisdom that sort of made sense 5,000 years ago, but sort of adjusting it for, for modern times. And I would love before we close for you to just walk us through, like, what does breakfast, lunch, and dinner look for you as an Ayurvedic professional who is also a yogi and vegan? And I mean, I'm sure you change up what you eat every day, but just give us like the average day, your favorite things. Like you wake up and what's happening? Is it like lemon water? Is it a smoothie? Like give us the rundown. Okay. So, well, the first thing I do is I scrape my tongue every single morning because your tongue, if you notice the white mucus on your tongue, Ayurveda calls that ama, which is essentially toxins. And if you don't scrape your tongue, um, the bacteria actually builds up and it affects your digestive system. So I always scrape my tongue and I start my day with hot water because hot water is more easily absorbed by your body. So it's much more hydrating. Now I have a lot of kapha in my prakriti. I was born with kapha was the very earthy one, super chill. So I do have the tendency to gain weight easily and have a slower digestive system. Um, so for me, I don't wake up hungry. In fact, I don't feel hungry for a few hours. So for people like me, like kaphas, we're not recommended to eat breakfast. Or if we do eat breakfast, we're not recommended to eat dinner. Ayurveda recommends just two meals a day for kaphas, which works so well with, for me. So in the morning, I'll just drink some um, matcha and I'll make like a pumpkin seed milk or something and I'll just drink that. And my first meal of the day will be lunch. And um, I'll eat like, I love doing like kale with sea vegetables and I massage it in avocado. I don't use oils because oils are another thing that kaphas should lessen. Um, lots of lemon, apple cider vinegar, really acidic and bitter tastes really help break up the stagnation in kaphas. Um, and then dinner later on, I'll do something cooked, maybe like a blended veggie soup or like sweet potatoes and cooked kale or, or something like that. Um, that's much more easily digested than a big salad. Got it. And for people who are listening, who are maybe pizza or vata, do you have any quick tips you want to share with them? Like, you know, sort of like the Domi breakfast for kapha or, um, the spicy food thing. Is there any quick takeaways for, for people who are the other two that you want to share? 
Totally. So vatas need to stay away from too much cold and dry food. So if you're a vata, you feel um, bloated, gassy, constipated. You don't want to be doing too many like smoothies and salads because that's going to be too cold for your system. You definitely don't want to be doing granola bars and crackers and cookies and things like that. So for vatas, I would say wake up and have like a baked sweet potato or oatmeal or something that's really warm and grounding. Root vegetables are super great because they're literally grown underneath the soil. So they have such earthy grounding energy. Um, and then continue that lots of just like warm, cooked, well-spiced meals for vatas. They want to focus on building and strengthening. Otherwise, they are really at risk towards osteoporosis later on in life. So it's really, and vatas are the most likely to be like, let's do a juice cleanse. And they're the last people who need it. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of this Ayurvedic, um, principles, it reminds me so much of yoga, which is that oftentimes what you're attracted to is like the opposite of what you need. Exactly. And um, just keep that in mind, guys, as you go deeper with Ayurveda. Okay. And let's do pizza really quick. Yeah. So pizza types, they need to be eating all, they, they need their meals. They can't go and skip a meal because they get hangry. Yeah. So um, pizza types, they'll probably wake up in the morning and they want something to eat. Now, since they have such large appetites, they may be drawn towards like eggs or something like super filling in the morning, but that's going to be too heavy on their digestive fire. And that's going to make their fire burn too strong for the rest of the day. It's going to make them more likely to snap and be impatient and irritable and also causes hyperacidity. So if you've ever had heartburn, um, ulcers, anything related to that, it's too much acid in the system. So pittas are best doing like like a green smoothie, fruit, something super cooling, coconut yogurt, um, oatmeal, but making it super simple. And then making lunch your biggest meal of the day and having, you know, a mixture of cooked and raw vegetables, lots of chickpeas, beans, mung, mung beans, stuff that has plant-based protein because Pitta is super recommended for them to go vegetarian because they're the most susceptible towards toxicity, which is found in our animal products here. Mm, and then yeah. Then for dinner, probably a soup won't be enough for them. Um, so maybe doing like a quick stir fry of different seasonal vegetables or some, you know, a little curry or something like that. Coconut curry is a really good one for, for pitches because coconut is so cooling. Okay. Perfect. And final question, da, da, da. lemon water. What's the deal? I feel like the internet has exploded. Everyone is into the lemon water. And I actually do a lot of lime water because a different Ayurvedic friend of mine told me that they thought, depending on the season, that that was actually more beneficial. But I'd love to hear from you. Is this a fad? Is it real? Do you recommend it only for certain doshas? Tell us. So, I mean, lemon water is very new. It's not written in the ancient Ayurvedic texts. They recommend more spiced water. So cumin, um, cardamom, fennel seeds, things like that are much more medicinal than just lemon water. Lemon water is not bad. I mean, it's, it's best for kaphas because it does have that very like alkalizing and cooling effect. Um, what I learned in India is that you should never have lemon water at night, only have it in the morning. Um, and also in India, lem there's no lemons, there's only limes, nimbu. So well, there you go. I guess that's why I was so recommending they put, the lime. They put limes on, on a lot of things. Um, so I would say keep doing it. If it's working for you, keep doing it, but don't force yourself to do it. Maybe just cinnamon water could be a better fit. Mm, interesting. Okay. This was so much fun. Sahara, 
people will want to go deeper with you and I'm sure they're going to want recipes from you. So what's the best way that they can find you, connect with you, learn more? Yeah. So I post recipes on my Instagram every single day, which is eat, feel fresh. And on my blog every week, which is eatfeelfresh.com. I have a 12 week guided program, which is an eat right for your mind body type program. So it teaches you step-by-step on how to integrate Ayurveda in your life, as well as overcome your issues with food and discovering where your specific obstacles are. Because, you know, a lot of us, we know you're supposed to eat healthy and you're supposed to do that, but it's deeper issues within ourselves that are kind of withholding us from making those healthy food choices. So it's a 12-week step-by-step approach to allowing you to sort of become your own nutritionist and your own healer and knowing the right foods that work for your body. Awesome. So I'll post all of her links below and I will start regramming her on Instagram. And um, guys, make sure that you are subscribed if you're listening on YouTube, that you give us a thumbs up. And of course, would love a review if you're listening on iTunes. If you're not a member of our private yoga Facebook group, Yoga Hacks Community, yoga, H-A-C-K-S, community.com, hop over there and join the conversation. I would love to connect with you and, of course, get your requests for future podcast episodes. Thank you so much. So much love, everyone, from our hearts to yours. Namaste. Namaste.